After being let down by the RCMP and DFO, Sabaganagadi First Nation plans multiple lawsuits against those who have harassed and assaulted moderate livelihood fishers. We speak to the lawyer leading the legal charge. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 158, and a special thank you to listeners like Keith Paulus, who support us on patreon.com or via email transfer to mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Well, it's been another major Mi'kmaq Newsweek. A coalition of seven Mi'kmaq First Nations is buying a major stake of Clearwater. 50% of the seafood giant will be Mi'kmaq-owned if the deal goes through. Cause for celebration and for reflection about the implications for treaty rights and internal equity among the Mi'kmaq communities who are in on the deal and those who are not. We'll continue that conversation next week on Mi'kmaq Matters. News of the Mi'kmaq purchase of Clearwater comes right in the middle of the struggle to start a treaty-based moderate livelihood fishery in southwest Nova Scotia. Front and center of that fishery is Sabaganagadi First Nation, which is also part of the Mi'kmaq coalition buying into Clearwater. But as much as the Clearwater purchase shows how far Mi'kmaq people have come in the fight for economic justice, the treatment of moderate livelihood fishers is a sign of how far there is to go. Assault, intimidation, theft of gear, destruction of property, illegal actions, all but ignored by the RCMP. So now, Sabaganagadi is taking matters into its own hands by arranging lawsuits against the perpetrators. That's on top of a constitutional challenge the band is bringing regarding provincial regulations which make it illegal for buyers to purchase moderate livelihood lobster. We get an overview of the multiple legal actions from Sabaganagadi lawyer Ron Pink. Ron, let me ask you first about your constitutional challenge, which uh, is in the works. You file your notice. Yes. So it's in, the, it's in the court process, and you're challenging the Nova Scotia fish buyer regulation. And just tell us briefly what your argument is there. It's simple. In order to buy, be a, a fish buyer, you have to be registered, regulated under the Act. And in order to participate under the Act, you can only buy uh, DFO-approved uh, catches. And so because uh, DFO has not approved our moderate livelihood catch, uh, we, um, uh, no one will buy from us. And so, uh, so what's happened is that we have a, um, how do I say, our challenge is quite simple, that the, the uh, regulations under the Act are interfering with our treaty rights, that we can't maintain a moderate livelihood, we can't sell our fish, uh, and, thus, um, uh, and thus the Act of, uh, of, of the House of, of, of Assembly is, uh, is impeding with our, our, our treaty right uh, and our statutory right or our, our, our constitutional right. And so we're making a challenge to say that it's unconstitutional as it relates to our treaty rights. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty simply it. So the fish buyer regulation could stay, and, uh, but the provision uh, affecting moderate livelihood could just be sort of um, 
insert uh, it? Yes. Yep. Yes. And so now, of course, we know that the court system is not a is not a fast system. So you file your notice, and then I suppose whatever happened at your first uh, level of court, there could be an appeal. Uh, could be an appeal. So that would oh, go yes. on for some time. Yes. Yes. If 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 it were to be. Unless it can be settled, which is always a possibility, uh, because we're having a, a, a new uh, leader of the Liberal Party who will hold the balance of power. Uh, and um, so if it could be settled, it would, yes. that would be great. But otherwise, you're quite right. We're into a process which is, if it were to go the full full length, we're probably four years, five years. Mm, yes. From completion. Yes, for sure. Now, at the at the news conference, you said that Premier McNeil could uh, fix this problem tomorrow morning, in your words. Um, but you said the Premier was being uh, political and doesn't didn't want to make a decision. So what do you think is the political calculation that the Premier has made in not fixing what would be very easy for him to fix? The commercial industry. So uh, all the all the members of the House and the Liberal Party who are in the uh, rural area, in the fishing areas, would uh, are very vulnerable. He only has a one seat majority, uh, and so uh, he doesn't want anything to upset the apple cart. So he can, the Liberal Party can hide behind DFO and said, DFO says fix a problem, we'll fix a problem. Otherwise, we're not going to fix a problem. Mm. And uh, and so it's just political. It's nothing to do about what's right or wrong. It's just political. Mm. And of course, all the fishing associations who are apply enormous pressures mm -hmm. very well organized and and we have a we have a very weakened lobby relative to uh the the, the multi-million dollar fish processors and uh, uh fishers around the province now let me ask you about the uh the other cases um uh, chief sack said there were he used the word hundreds of um, of other pieces of litigation of various kinds uh, lawsuits against individuals, uh, captains of uh, of these uh, boats that interfered with a moderate livelihood fishery, complaints about uh, RCMP um, actions or inactions. I guess they would be standard RCMP RCMP complaints. Those they wouldn't be lawsuits. Uh, you would go through the complaint procedure, I guess, on those. Well, let me uh, let me have Glenn for a sec. Um, uh, that was his word. Hundreds. That was a little hyperbole. Um, there will certainly be many. Uh, one is a lot, but there'll be more than one. We're talking, I don't know, up to a dozen that we know of at the moment, perhaps. Uh, and new stuff comes out, new information comes out to us all the time. So let's just take it in in, in order, uh, if if I can. So yes. there's there's the um, uh, for, first off, we have the injunctive relief, which we have um, uh, which we received, and that's due back in court in the middle of December. Uh, and, and just that for our listeners, that injunction uh, prevents people from uh, going down and causing problems on the wharf, uh, hassling people. They have to stay away, or else they're uh, in uh, in contravention of your of your yeah, injunction or court it, order. Yes, it's an, it's a no interference, intimidation, uh, harassing sort of um, uh, uh, injunctive relief, as well as that's on the land and on the water. Mm. Okay. Uh, and uh, and it and the RCMP are directed to enforce, and DFO are directed under the injunction to enforce the um, enforce the injunction, whether they like but, it or not, whether they like it or not, and they don't like it, um, and so that's the um, so that's coming back. So we and 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 I think as a matter of course, that's been quite successful in um, in maintaining 
the peace since that time. We've had very few, if any, instances that are discoverable, if you know what I mean. There are some instances, but certainly not the mass instances which we had before. So we're, we're going to do what we can to maintain that uh, uh, order. Um, uh, so that's, that's the most immediate thing. And around the same time, we have to file our notices uh, on the constitutional channels, which we spoke of. And then after that, there are uh, com uh, complaints against uh, DFO uh, and against uh, the RCMP for action and inaction. And those and, complaints, is that through a DFO internal process, RCMP internal process? Yes. Or is that, so those aren't litigation per se. Those are complaints through an internal complaint system. Yeah, but they'd but they be, they're external complaints because they're, they're signed uh, and uh, there'll be an internal investigation and there'll be a, a play from that. The problem with that, of course, is that could be in 2029 before you get an answer to that stuff, mm, right? That's, yes. That's not, um, there are potential actions against the RCMP for, uh, for false arrest, uh, not in the complaint base, but for false arrest, assault, um, uh, improper exercise of authority. Uh, so that's, um, that relates to a number of instances we had. And then there's, a, a Glenn, there's also, um, uh, uh, we're looking at actions against the RCP as an institution uh, for failing to uh, meet their obligations under their own act. So that would, be a that would be a litigation then in the court. Indeed. Those, yes. Those, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so that's the RCP. DFO, uh, not as much because they didn't do anything when all this is going on. And then they've done a whole bunch of things since. Um, uh, they've been hauling our traps. Uh, and, um, uh, and there's some controversy around whether our traps or they're looking for traps, but it's all, all designed, uh, in our view, to interfere. Um, so there, there are those things. And then we come down the ladder. Uh, there are, we have human rights complaints that were filed against locals uh, who have refused to service, uh, provide services to uh, members of, of the community. Uh, uh, and, then, and, then we have, um, and then we have the individual litigation against individual uh, persons uh, for assault, battery, trespass, intimidation, both on the land and, uh, and on the water against captains of uh, various vessels who we have videos of and uh, who have hauled our traps, cut our traps, uh, brought the much larger vessels very close to ours uh, in attempt to, to uh, persuade us to uh, stop what they're doing uh, and the like. So there's all that going on. And let me ask you, let me ask you about that. Um, the, uh, as Chief Sack uh, pointed out, the RCMB has only charged three people. So these, uh, these uh, actions here, assault, uh, battery, they would be the sort of things we would expect the police to uh, to deal with. Yes. Uh, Funny thing, so, you, should talk, you should raise that, Glenn, because this morning, so we had that, that damning interview on Thursday. This morning they announced another charge against somebody. Like, really? Really? Mm -hmm. The coincidence is overwhelming. This is a month old or a month ago, and now they're just announcing these things. Like, come on. Will you have um, identification issues? Because, of course, you will have to, you know, you will have to provide the name. They'll have to serve the person with the uh, with the lawsuit. Yep. So yes, it's it's a very it's a it's a big operation doing what one might regard as a as a fairly standard uh, charge assault. But when you're doing it uh, yourself as this is private uh, private litigation, it's um, you have um, you're not set up like the RCMP to do the ID and all that. Sort of stuff. Yes, that's that's all true. And that becomes one of the issues, of course, 
but we have we have our sources and we have people who help us and we have our own investigators and uh, and we have uh, our our members were very astute uh, when they're out in the water they have we have lots and lots of video uh, of all the things that these people uh, the, the non-aboriginal fishers were doing so we have all that recorded and uh, time date stamped and we have the names of the vessels we know who the captains of all the vessels were and um, and we know who works for those captains and so we'll get there so in these uh, in these uh, private litigations it sounds like you have you know uh, I get the sense there might be 10 or a dozen pieces of litigation in this category. Yes. Yes. And um, now I wouldn't, uh, of course, uh, I mean, I guess if you're a captain and you have a boat, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a lot of equity there, but I wonder in terms of damages, whether the, any remedy, any financial remedy would be uh, equal the cost of uh, bringing these pieces of litigation to court. Um, the answer to that is yes. Um, uh, because the damages uh, go to the individual fishers, uh, and 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 let's not forget they've canceled their commercial fishing this year uh, because of fear and intimidation by by various people, and uh, that's a huge cost uh, that's gone on. So, I mean, it's worth millions of dollars our commercial fishery, right? It's, it was it was it is a mainstay of our re, uh, financial resources in the van, so that's out there as well. Uh, and but but you know um, uh, we haven't decided for sure if we're going to proceed in the federal court if we're going to proceed uh, in the provincial supreme court, but in the federal court they're in rem remedies right? Uh, their vessels are are um, are, pot are potential arrestable mm. uh, sort of thing. So you make the arrest during a fishing season, it's a very expensive process, uh, and people have to be very careful uh, in all this. So that's what that's where, where we're thinking. Would you say this is unusual? Is there anything unusual about these? Um, I mean, obviously there are civil lawsuits for assault. That's not unusual. But are, are there any unusual things about uh, proceeding this way? No, I think it's I think it's rather run of the mill sort of things, right? Um, uh, in a civil litigation sense, you know, someone has has trespassed, has caused damage, uh, uh, stolen from us, you know, deprived us of our livelihood, intimidated us. Those are uh, not that they're it happens every day, but they're out there. They're they're not they're not unusual to uh, to conduct um, this sort of litigation. Um, it's like neighbors uh, having a spat, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what this is what it comes to. As as we said in the context of the constitutional challenge, the court system is not a quick system. But I suppose um, even uh, even though it might be some time before you got in court, I suppose there's a cautionary purpose in um, in uh, announcing this litigation. It, it tells people who might act in this way what might be in store for them were they were they to act out absolutely right and it's a prophylactic in some respects and it may take us six eight months to get uh started uh whatever i mean we'll have the notices filed but you know time you get document discovery and you know you get defenses filed and all that sort of thing and get discovery started it, it doesn't happen overnight but it does happen and um, and uh, uh, and it will happen. And and um, and our view is that that if we see there's a legal wrong that's is, that's remediable, we're going to we're going to pursue it. Um, mm -hmm. We're not going to shy away uh, from anything. And and, and Chief Zach and and um, his uh, his team led by Rhonda Knockwood are are very much keen on on doing whatever we can to uh, to enforce their rights. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a big uh, it's a big operation. So uh, you uh, I think you said at your uh, at your news conference that uh, you have six uh, lawyers. I don't yep. know if that includes you, Ron, or six people other than you. I don't know if that's six or seven. Maybe it's seven. Yeah, you and be. six others. Yeah, there's there's a there's a we have um, counting yesterday. We have I think seven, including me, um, uh, working largely on this file. Mm. And we're we're speaking on uh, on Saturday morning, November the uh, the fourteenth, and you're in the office as we speak. Yeah, probably working on these matters. Yes, so so are some of the other lawyers in the office working this, uh, on these matters. I see. So it's just it's just what we do, right? Yes, it, it's so fundamental. And uh, and Glenn, you'd appreciate this. This is not a uh, this is not a matter just for uh, for this community. It has impact in a number of communities, uh, and it's it's. Well, you know this um, uh, from your trade union experience. Trade unions are always the recipients of injunctive relief, never the never the uh, the uh, the plaintiff in those sorts of matters. And uh, and same with uh, with uh, uh, Aboriginal uh, clients. This is the first time we could find when an Aboriginal client was a successful plaintiff in an injunctive relief case, and so the courts were prepared to respect them. And appreciate their dilemma and help them, and we're going to try to take that um, that sentiment and uh, and make it make it work across across the board. Yes, and we have huge support as you can appreciate from from people. It's it's shocking from around the world. Uh, this has has interest, like written up in the London Times and the in the Paris uh, Figaro and all those papers, uh, all the American papers. Uh, uh, and the Asian papers have written about this dispute, uh, and 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 these um, and my clients are getting uh, offers uh, of uh, help uh, from from all over the world. It's it's an it's an incredible matter, and and there's a lot of support, uh, and we have to make sure we keep that um, keep on the high road of this matter and not get into the into the uh, as you and I refer to so often into the dirt uh, in these matters. We want to keep it on a matter of great principle. Uh, and enforcement of a treaty right. That's what we want to do. That was Ron Pink of the law firm Pink Larkin in Halifax, one of the lawyers representing Sebag and Agatee First Nation. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. Mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com is where to reach out to us with your news tips, story ideas, whatever's on your mind. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. Mm-hmm.